How's it going, everyone? And welcome to part two of the season finale of Buddy's House of Horror podcast. Yes, season three has officially come to an end at the end of this episode. I hope you guys enjoyed this season. I hope you enjoyed this two-part episode. And yeah, we're going to be getting to picks five through one in today's edition of the show with me and, of course, my boy, Midnight Miles. If you guys haven't already, you got to make sure you watch the first part of this podcast first because, obviously, you're not going to be getting picks 10 through 6 and those are very important for a top 10 but yes as I said we're rounding out the list today we're rounding out the season as well season 4 is going to be coming this October if you guys have any suggestions on what you guys want to see in season 4 please let me know and yeah I'm going to try to keep this intro short because again it's another long episode for you guys but if you guys haven't already please make sure you subscribe to the show wherever you're listening to it on Apple Podcasts Spotify and if whatever you're listening to this on lets you leave a rating and a review make sure you go ahead and do that. It really helps out the show a lot. And now that the season is over, why don't you go ahead and share your favorite episodes of the show with all your friends? Because I want season four to be the biggest and best season so far. And yeah, as I said, just thank you guys for listening to the show. Thanks for listening to all the shows this season and in previous seasons. I really appreciate the support. And yeah, I'm going to wrap up this intro. We're going to get right to the show. So here it is, the top 10 horror sequels of all time, part two. Now let's get spooky. So, we're on your number five. We made it. We're, Half, ma- we're, we're halfway we're done. We're halfway done. This is where... Fuck, I should have brought 20 more drinks, Cat. Fuck. What do you want? You want a beer? What do you want? <laughs> I might want one. You want a stellar PBR? I'll, I can get it for you. I'll, I'll, well... Yeah, I'll take a PBR. I'm not right. going to drink. I'm fucking not hungover anymore. Why not drink? Shit. Uh, <laughs> anyways, the top five for both of us... Thank you, kind sir. I appreciate it. Um, Here we are. Yeah, I thought, buddy, maybe you know, maybe we're gonna take a commercial break. I wasn't sure. Uh, No, just turning the air on. I see you removed the hoodie, so I I was like, all right, he's getting he's getting a little hot. We're in between. I keep getting like I must be going through menopause or something. As I'm showing you my whole list right now, but uh, I keep getting hot, cold, hot, cold. I'm I don't know. All right, top five. This is the one I'm probably going to get shit for, if anything, on my top five. Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2. Go. I'm not going to give you I, shit I, for it. I said it was underrated. I, I'm not going <laughs> to give you I shit for it. I absolutely love this film. And the problem is it's sandwiched in between one and three, which are everyone's favorites. I mean, really. I mean, fandom-wise. Right. And I feel like it gets underlooked because it's almost like the bastard child of the series because it's actually horror it's not horror comedy we're like the other ones they're horror but come on freddy starts cracking one-liners every fucking five seconds right like, yeah all of his all of his lines basically become like funny one-liners even though there is horror elements they're horror films but you know what i'm saying oh i know what you're saying but you got something to say? I was, I was going to say, spoiler alert, we already alluded, but I had rewatched all of these films recently. Right. And I was blown away because had you had someone told me, like, rank the Nightmare on Elm Street films or whatever, I would have put two as the worst. Ooh. And oh. I was I was very wrong. I was I was very impressed with part two. Um, 
I, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about it, but yeah. Thank you. I'm glad that you said that because I wish more people would fucking... Because when I watched them the first time, not only did I think part two was the worst nightmare film, I thought it was like one of the worst films I ever saw. Really? <laughs> at, at the time. At the time. Uh, but... It's diff. It's hard. It's it's a lot different than one, in in a sense, but it's horror. Like there's a, one of the scenes that pops in my head immediately. There's an iconic scene where they're in the they're in the gym or whatever, and like they're doing this pan shot of the gym, and it's kind of dark. And like the I think the boys are like some of the boys are gonna go take a shower or something like that. But it's a little bit later at night. I don't know if they're after. I can't remember if it's after practice or what camera does this beautiful pink he's panning and in the in the distance you see this like red pulsating light that you don't understand why it's there so you can tell like there's something if you're talking about it's are you talking about how they go to the bar and the gym teacher is at the bar and then he makes them go back to the gym to run laps oh that's it okay again i haven't seen i used to watch part two every couple years i've seen a handful of times i can remember most of it but you've seen a lot of films start to get a little bit older right sometimes Things things blend a little. You remember maybe seventy five percent of the film. But no, they see their teach they see their gym teacher right. at the that's gay bar, right. and that's then they're right. like, <laughs> "That's right." And but you can tell something's going on. Just there's like subtle things that are like, I just love about that film. Like little light things, little atmosphere things, little uh, nightmare has always been good with that in the series. But I feel like as the series went on. They were the films went faster. Like it was like get through this scene, get through this scene, get to this, get to this. We're like this. This film kind of let scenes breathe, like right. organically breathe. Like obviously, there's a big thing where everyone thought it was a whole you know queer film, like literally because everything hints that everyone's either about the fuck. Or that was the big thing. Have you not heard anything about that? No, I've heard a lot about it. Yeah. Okay, it no, no, it's a big. The gay community really champions this film, and like yeah. I get it. Like it, I mean, they're not undertones; they are overtones. Oh yeah. But I mean, that's not. It doesn't impact the quality of the film. It's just that no. that, that is what it is. You know. I think though that they tried, from what I like, the stuff I've read and watched. They tr- at the time, it bothered a lot of people when it came out because I feel like it was like very clearly like. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, you got again. This is the early '80s or whatever. I mean, still gay is taboo at the time you know what i mean like nowadays you watch and you're like all right whatever but like back then i can see it like being especially controversial what's become what would become i mean obviously nightmare on street one was a huge hit but in a mainstream series like that you know right and I, i talked about this earlier but i watched in search of darkness part two and they talk about nightmare part two in it, and they got like the actors back and i guess the like even at the time like the actors were like Ridiculed because they were like, "Oh, you were in that gay horror film or like whatever." Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. He was like, "Whatever." I was in that gay horror film. I made more fucking money than this bum talking. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. I love the whole final act of the film when they get to like that, like backyard barbecue party, and they're all oh the pool party, yeah, pool party, and. Freddie gets. I like this because it's the one time in the series he's out of the dream. Yes, yes. He gets pulled into reality, and it's fucking insane. Like shows up, kids are going off, hedges go on fire, things. People get fucking slashed, and it's just like pure anarchy for a few minutes. It's an love that. It's an insane scene, but then I guess to counteract that, when you compare it to the rest of the series. 
doesn't really make a whole lot of sense that he's out of the dream. It doesn't, I guess. but they do. To me, they do a good job because they like pull, like find a way to pull him into reality because they try to use it as a way to kill him or get rid of him. Right. And then the iconic scene where he comes out of the body. Yeah. Um, they actually have a proper boiler room scene in this too, with it's suspenseful at the end, which I felt like they obviously started to get away from in the other series, like the other, you know, yeah, Freddy series or Freddy, you know, films, Nightmare on Elm Street films. So I don't know. I just really like the setup of it. There's a lot of iconic scenes, as you said. Maybe it doesn't make a lot of sense with some of the things, but. I feel like in all the Nightmare on Elm Street films, they're really trying to try something new to find a way to keep the story going in every film. Right. So it doesn't really, when I watch a series as a whole, it doesn't, that doesn't. And I will say this, after rewatching all of them, part two, in comparison to a lot of the rest of them, is very memorable. Like, I remember everything that happens in part two. Like, even still, after just rewatching them, like, a couple months ago or whatever, when I had COVID, I watched them all. That's I was like, that's what I'm going to watch. Even now, like, four through six, I'm like, well, what happened in which one? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just so, like... I love four. Actually, my favorite... My favorite since here is one, two, and four. Everyone... I get... I get really <laughs> I, I, that I know you get a lot of shit for that. Because I have a fucking part four shirt. Like, I love... I think part four is better than part three. I enjoyed it a lot more. Jared and I were lap, on a Two Nerds podcast a while ago when we were roasting each other's letterbox score we were looking at yours too and we were laughing at your reviews of all the other films in the franchise because it would just be like oh i still like this one better than part three <laughs> like all the reviews <laughs> i didn't even know i did that but that's all right uh i like part three but i just don't <laughs> i don't know it's good i mean it's really good it's a really good film it might be the most well-made film in the series maybe if i could say that i don't know like mm, it's tough to say I would say at least the West Craven trilogy, that's the most well made out of the three. The well, you only did Oh, you're the talking about oh, New Nightmare. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which is what I would yeah. if if I it was on my list, that was would have been the one I would have picked. New Nightmare is great. But the one thing that. I don't like about New Nightmare is I think the ending is fucking horrendous. Mm. <laughs> when he's like in the hell or whatever and yeah, like yeah, yeah, they're yeah, just yeah. like literally beating him up and he's stuck in a gate and it's like Freddy can do whatever the fuck he wants, why is yeah. he stuck in this gate? But I don't know. Regardless, I, I almost considered, as an honorable mention, I almost considered Freddy versus Jason because it's not really a. sequel. It's a great film. But, it's a great film. Uh, <laughs> it's not a sequel, but I thought about being an asshole, and being like, "Well, technically, it's a sequel to two franchises. It's still right." There. But uh, fuck, Freddy versus Jason is so good. Um, yeah, Nightmare on Elm Street two. It gets a lot of shit that it doesn't deserve. It's it's what I consider to be the last horror. Pure Nightmare on Elm Street one, Nightmare on Elm Street two, for the most part, are like pure horror. Like, like, there's not Freddy doing a million one-liners, doing a bunch of things. Then when you get to part three, tonally things change and right. they work because they made a fuck ton of money and they're all really fun films. But I kind of miss when Freddy was a legit right. nightmare monster, yeah, really hunting and killing people. You know, yeah, like without saying. It's prime. Welcome to prime time, bitch. Right. Like, of course. I pop. I laugh. I, I, who doesn't? That's funny. You, you sit, you flex. It's an iconic scene, you know? I mean, phenomenal. But it worked then, but then it's like him, like every other fucking film, like. It's like, what can we do to increase the comedy? In, yeah. Like every film. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
so the next one on my list, speaking of the horror comedy kind of thing, um, this is another series that has fluctuated between horror and comedy, where the first couple are horror, then it goes a little little crazy, and then it tries to bring it back um, and bring the reins in a little bit. Um, but this is one that I think balances the horror and comedy pretty much 50-50. Very strange pick. Cult of Chucky is my number oh. five. Fuck. It's cult cult is, after it's the, Curse, right? It's the newest one. It's Cult is after Curse. Fuck, I've only seen this one once. So it's very different from the rest of the franchise, and that's what I like about it. Um, cur- people would probably say Curse of Chucky is the best sequel. Um, I really did like Curse, yeah. But the problem with that for me is... When I'm watching a child's play film, I still want Chucky to be funny. Okay. And in Curse, he's not... I mean, it's more straightforward horror. After the series went completely off the rails with Seed and Bride of Chucky, where there's no horror at all, and it's just complete craziness. I've only seen... I'm not even sure if I've ever seen Seed all the way through. I think I've seen it like three times in bits and pieces. And same, it's bad. <laughs> same with with Bride. I think I've never watched Bride once all the way through. I think I watched half of it and then another half of it. I don't know why. Like I just, I uh, for all of my big horror franchises, Chance plays kind of at the bottom. At the bottom, but it's weird because like I didn't. Child's Play came out kind of towards the end of the big 80s horror boom. It really was probably the last 80s horror franchise that became a franchise. A lot of sequels were made in the 90s. Right. Uh, I didn't see Child's Play until I was... Uh, maybe I did see when I was probably... Maybe like 16 or 17. So I already had a bunch of like... You know, I'd seen... I don't think I'd seen everyone yet, but maybe. the You know, Friday 13, Nightmare on Elm Street, you know, Halloween, like, you know. And I'm like, yeah. these are my fucking... These are my guys, you know? I'm like... <laughs> And I was already getting into, like, some other horror, weird horror. And then Child's Play came out, and I was like, eh, all right. First Child's Play, when I first watched it, I wasn't really... Uh, it just didn't resonate with me. It wasn't, you know, whatever. I don't know if it was I was too old. Not too old, but when you're young, you think about your doll coming to fucking kill you. That had to be terrifying. Right, yeah. But I remember liking 2, 2 and 3 a lot. I think 2 is better than the first one still. Is, is 2 the one... What's the scene where they open an oven and doesn't, like, a fucking house explode or something? I can't... It, it's either the second or... I can't remember which one it was. I just remember that scene being really fucking funny. But anyways, continue, continue. Um, yeah, it's... The series has reinvented itself many times, as I said. Like, some are horror, some are just comedy. But this is one where they really balanced it out. Um... Because Chucky's still funny in it, it's still scary. It's a direct sequel to the previous one. It shares many of the same characters. Curse. Andy comes back in this one. The original Chucky doll is in this one, but it's just a severed head. Right. That he's been keeping and torturing. And there's like three or four Chucky dolls in the film because he's possessing multiple dolls. And each one has like a slight personality difference in it. Right. Um, Which, again, I think is a unique twist in it because it's like, why not? possess more dolls if you can right um again takes place in a mental hospital it's very different from the rest of the series it's very slickly shot um there's that great scene um the great kill where like 
she's laying down on like the hospital bed and then the, the glass ceiling breaks and it's just the shards of glass that fall in slow motion and okay, completely yeah, cut yeah. open her whole body um yeah I mean there's not much else to say about it um Fiona Duriff is the star of it okay. she was the star of the last one so right, it's right. the father I mean they don't play father and daughter in the thing I don't think but no nice connection there um yeah I don't know it goes completely insane takes a lot of risks it's really crazy um and it's just a lot of fun man like some Chucky films are fun for good reasons some are fun because they're so bad it's good but again this one I think it balances everything out and I hope they follow it up with another one well, there's but s- so is there supposed to be making a TV series that Don Mancini is in charge of that's why it's Don Mancini don't right yeah yeah that uh, they're going to keep everything and it's going to be a TV series for sci-fi. Now, sci-fi is like 10 p.m. and later stuff. It's been pretty gory and pretty ridiculous the past like probably like five or six years. They kind of reinvented their TV stuff again. Yeah. So I have, I have, I think it's going to be good. Again, I don't know how they're going to do, I don't know how many episodes they're going to do. But, right. Uh, if they did like the limited run series kind of thing, like I think. Six, six to ten maybe. I don't really know how they could push Right, I don't know what, what you're going to do, yeah. Uh, but it ends with them on the run, basically, because they right. escape the thing or whatever, so. I have more vivid memories of Curse than Cult, but when I watched Cult, I watched it with, like, four people, and two of them couldn't shut the fuck up. All right. <laughs> and it wasn't Jared Latchy, just spoiler alert on that, so. Uh, it took me out of it a little bit like I was in it like I'm sitting there like this I don't even think I talked to him I was just like this <laughs> so I'm trying to watch it you know and everyone's like, I'm like, I'm like oh, man, you shut the fuck up like I'm trying to watch this even though it's, it's if you're gonna have friends around watching a, a Chucky or a Charles right. Play film is good but I actually really liked the remake I thought it was overrated but that's fine I, don't, I didn't know if it was I, I yeah. just, I well because everyone loved it and then I, like, I watched it and I was like I mean, I mean this is fine I think the expectations at some points because it was like one of the last actual remakes. It was just out of nowhere. They're like, oh, yeah. we're going to remake Child's Play. Right. And I think the story worked really well for modern times, to be honest. Like, right. To be able to get, like... I mean, I knew it was going to be a lot different, but, like, I guess for me, like, I just find it more interesting that the doll's possessed than it's actually just, like, a doll that is defective or whatever. Yeah, you know? I, can, I can get that. I mean, yeah, I get that. <laughs> but... Yeah, I mean, there's not too much to say about it, really. Um, I might yeah. have to rewatch that one now. Yeah. Now that you said that, that'll be the one. That'll be the one that I go. Let's see. You still haven't seen half my list. I, I know, guess, right? So. <laughs> Just, did you think it was going to be that many that you hadn't seen? I didn't think it was going to be that many. I thought okay. it was going to be like two. I didn't okay. think it'd be like five. I was going to say, like, but now man. that we're getting into your top four, I mean, I I would hope that I've seen most of these. So are we gonna? Can I, can I throw part four on now? Or, you know, my number four? Yeah. Yeah, you're good. Well, here we go. We can talk about this. Hellraiser 2 All right. Hellbound. Cool. So there, All right. there we are. Uh, Hellraiser 2 is everything I wanted Hellraiser 1 to be. When I remember watching this, I'm like, this is what the first film should be, basically. Like, in my head, I mean, they had to, they had to set it up. I understand why they had to set it up that way. And there were some budget, budget like, constraints in the first one. You're setting up a new franchise. Right, whatever. yeah. And this is also, we've talked about a lot of late 80s shit in this, actually. Hellraiser came out a similar time as, as Child's Play. When I really think about when those were coming out, 88, 89, like, you know, Freddy's a joke. 
Jason's dying down because they've done they've sequeled him to death. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, comedy has really taken over in horror. I mean, there's not a lot of, at least in like, the main mainstream. All the sequels are coming out for horror films are fucking basically horror comedies. It's one-liners, this and that, crazy wild gory kills that are unbelievable, which I love. But it was nice that a couple straightforward horror franchises came out at the end of the 80s, you know, when we talk about this. I feel like that's probably why Hellraiser worked, because it was probably like, not only the creatures were so iconic, the Cenobites, but also it just was horror. Like, there was no there's no comedic element to it. Right, you know? yeah. Um, two, though, man, the, the fucking doctor that's obsessed with fucking Pinhead, uh, they actually go to, like, the fucking underworld or part of one yeah, of the Yeah, the Cenobites, like, the whole realm... Because we had cheap plug for a podcast I did a few years ago. We had Nicholas Vince, who played the Chattering Cenobite, on the show before. And he definitely says that there's two distinct camps where basically everyone's split on which one's better, Hellraiser 1 or Hellraiser 2. Right. Um, And I guess, like, I fall, I give the slight edge to the second one. Um, just because, as you said, you get to see what you want to see. I want to see the the Cenobites realm. I want it to get weird. Like, the first one, yeah, you got to set up the story. There's some gory stuff in it. Obviously, the guy is regenerating back to life. Right. But the second one is just batshit insane. Like, there's that scene where, like, she's in the hospital and the doorway opens up and that, like, giant creature comes out of the <laughs> underworld. It's just, like, crazy shit. Like I said, the doctor becomes a Cenobite, gets transformed. Yeah. He has that scene where he's connected to that thing under his head, and he, like, comes down. It's really fucking cool-looking. Um, like, this one, I think, is even scarier than the first one, too. Yeah. Like, there's the one scene in this that, and few things in film, like, genuinely, like, disturb me or, like, make it, like, hard to watch. But the scene where it's just, he's, le- I can't remember if it's, like, man or a woman, but... It's just the body that's all muscle, and yeah, it's yeah, on yeah. the ground, just like yeah, crawling yeah. throughout the apartment. Yeah, like yeah, it's yeah. hard to watch. Yeah, yeah like yeah. it's rough, dude. There's some, uh, there's some fucking, uh, some great scenes in this film. Uh, I got to see this when I was in when I was in school. We worked with the film school. They had a theater there next door, and I got to do with my one teacher, Chris Patrick, who was my main makeup teacher. He. Uh, he found out I really liked seeing things in theaters and he always did Monday nights with the film school presenting uh, a film that was like makeup heavy so luckily my stoop my like three fourths of my college time there I got to plan these like for like whole semesters like what are we going to watch why is this relevant all this right. stuff which was actually one of my favorite parts of going to school because it was basically like someone was giving me free range to a beautiful fucking <laughs> private theater right yeah. which was fucking sick like I mean I'll, I'll never forget that but we sat down one semester and I was like I really want to watch Hellraiser we tried to not make it all horror thankfully he turned me on to some like a few like great makeup films that I probably would have like I don't know if I never would have watched but I might not have you know right. what I mean so it was like really beneficial for me too but we did get to watch some of my favorite horror right. films and things yeah. like that. So when I told him, like, I think we should do Hellraiser 2 Hellbound because it's fucking crazy and phenomenal. It looked great on the big screen. And he was 100% like, I didn't know, but he's a fucking champion of that film. Oh, really? Like, yeah. 
he didn't he does an introduction before every before every you know every yeah. minute a quick introduction and he just comes up for the one for Hellraiser 2 and uh, he goes I just want to let everyone know Hellraiser 2 is better than Hellraiser 1 and that's a fact <laughs> and I start laughing out loud he just looks at everyone and he goes that's a fact and I'm I'm Balling losing it dude I'm losing it and he goes Ah, that's a good enough introduction, and then he just fucking goes and, <laughs> and I'm just like, I'll, at the time, we only use this, but if now I would be like, I would have gotten been like, legend. I just yeah. yelled it out loud. Like, but seeing that film on the big screen does it even more justice. Just the you color palette guy, but the colors of some of the makeup. Oh, I don't mind the, the color other, in this. The other, no, I know I was, yeah. I was poking fun, but just it looks so. They find a way to make that film look very big when I know it's not. Does that make sense? Right, yeah. Like, it looks like it looks like they had even a much bigger budget. There's stuff happening. Like, I know the effects budget obviously had to be fucking huge because there's some crazy effects in this film. Uh, the Cenobites and everything's happening. There's a lot more movement in this. The Cenobites in the first one are in, like, very stationary, like... Like, you'll see them just, like, standing. Yeah. Be like this, looking menacing. Like they don't, right. They don't move a lot if that makes sense like it's a oh, lot yeah. of like yeah. them you know hiding behind walls and glimpses of faces and things like that which is very terrifying but in this one it's like okay we get to see some not action but a little bit more going on yeah but what else you got to say about it huh um I, hey man you ranked it a lot higher than me you should have more to say I know but I've been talking I, I, uh, I, I don't know, I think else. I mean like I said, like there's some shit in it that's hard to watch. The one thing in this I don't, the only thing about it that's like weird to me is like when the Cenobites are like getting cleansed or whatever, and like you see them in like their human, human form. Yeah, that's and cool. like, and the thing with me is like they didn't even get like the actor because like if I was doing that scene, I would have had the actors who actually played them do the thing. It's like, oh, yeah, this is what the guy actually looks like or whatever. Right, right, but, like, right. they recast them for the humans, and I don't know, it's just kind of weird. I, was that... Except Doug Bradley. He's the only right, one that's... Right, the, right, right. Was that... I wondered, too, at the time, if that was because the makeup was so extensive. If they were shooting on days, they also had to be in makeup. Uh, so true. they might have done that's that true. four times. Well, because, like, it's the same camera angle. Like, it doesn't move at, like... It shows them as that, and then they turn into... So it was probably, yeah, it was probably the same shot, so they just had to switch out the actor yeah. real fast, yeah. They might have done that literally because of budget and time constraints. Yeah, but with uh, Doug Brett, I mean, you have no choice, because, I mean, it's his actual face. He's too, yeah, <laughs> like, the thing you know is, what I mean? his, yeah, his, he was too iconic. That'd be if they put Freddie in the same position. You couldn't have right. Joe Schmo instead yeah. of Robert England, yeah. you know? Like, yeah. Uh, I just think that this is, it's by far the best Hellraiser sequel uh, and I said it's for me. I've only ever seen. Game. I've only seen the first two, but I've, I've, yeah. I went and I've done the whole series. That was one of the ones that I did. The I'm slows. so sorry. <laughs> it's a very weird series. Uh, some of them are a lot better than you think they're going to be. Like they're really good. Some of them, Hellworld, is really fucking stupid and really <laughs> bad. And I have a hard time saying that, but. Pinhead trapped in an online massive uh, multiplayer RPG. It's, Jesus Christ! I didn't even know that was a plot. To yeah, use Jesus this Christ! Was, this, was a, this was like 2003, 2002, whatever. Yeah, he literally is a character, and I think he's pos- possessing this 
online RPG game. Jesus Christ. And it's just... It's so dated. It's like... It's, you know. But the thing is, like, even the scenes with him are so bad. He's not in it enough. I don't even think there's any other Cenobites in it. It's just a cheap... Ca- like, it, it's... It, and it sucks, because I can't even remember, because their names are all different. Like, this, uh, Hellseeker, Hell this. Like, you know, they right, have like, different fucking yeah. names. But Hellworld is... Hellworld's probably one of the worst sequels I've ever seen to, like, a major series. So maybe that could be a list in a future episode. The worst horror sequels. Hell, oh my god! I'll have to rewatch Hellworld. I'll probably fucking kill myself after. <laughs> we could watch it together, and I could just like watch your reaction about how fucking stupid it is. Like, oh god, it's so bad. Uh, Hellraiser three, Hell on Earth, is pretty good. It's really fun. Um, Hellraiser four, I like a lot. It's the one where they fucking like like traveling through time. Like they're like or like they show. They show the box at different time periods. Okay. And then at one point, they're literally in space. Like it takes place so far in the past, and then into So the far in the future. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. It's like, it's a really cool setup for a sequel, and that, that, the way they set it up, that should have been the final one. Yeah. But then, of course, we know how well, things Yeah, work. it's going to make so, money, yeah. Uh, and I think, yeah, I think 4 did, did actually pretty well, because 4 was the last one was in theaters. After that, they just went all straight to video. Yeah, I would hope so. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Anyways, you should one one day you should take the dive into it. Take just, the deep just, dive. Just skip Hellworld. You're you're not gonna you know. If I'm saying it's that that might be one we have to do a commentary for. We'll set this up and we'll watch it. I'll do it. If we're gonna do that, I'll, I'll do it. But oh my god. Ugh. Anyways, we're uh, we're into my top four. Let's do it. We're in my number four. Um, this one I know is not on your list. Okay. Because another sequel in the franchise I can guarantee is on your list. Um, this one I think is an underrated pick because a lot of people would probably pick the one that you're going to. But my personal favorite, besides the original, actually I think all three of these. I already pretty sure I know where this. I think I think all three of these stand on their own. They're all phenomenal films. I don't think any of them are necessarily better or worse than the other ones. But besides the original, my personal favorite out of the franchise is actually Day of the Dead. Okay, I knew this was the, was uh, That's where I knew this was Did you know that I was going to say Day of the Dead? Yeah, I, I knew the whole. I knew everything you were going to say, and I uh, I agree that they're all great standalone films. But now I'm going <laughs> to let you go off on this. Yeah. It's it's so underrated. Um, it's very bleak. It's the darkest. Ironically, being called Day of the Dead, sun, day, daytime, it's ironically the darkest out of the three. There's no hope. Um, It's underground. Yeah, there's no hope. Um, It has probably one of the best, if not the best, human villain in horror. Um, General Rhodes, I believe, is his name or something like that. Yeah. he gets his comeuppance, and goddamn, he gets his fucking comeuppance. So good. So One of the best it. kills of all time. Um, one thing I appreciate about that kill, um, and I don't know if you've noticed, I'm sure you have, but when they're tearing, like, his neck apart, and his vocal cords are, like, shredding, and his voice goes from normal to just, like, a screech. Yeah. It's yeah, beautiful. Yeah. I've never, um, I guess I never thought about that, that in depth, but yeah. Um... 
And it's hard because I I think it's underrated because, again, you're following up two masterpieces. So it's like, how do you do it a third time? It, it's also hard because it came out right around the same time as Return it of the came, Living Dead. Same year yeah. as Return of the Living Dead and Reanimator. So two of the other b- biggest zombie films of the time are coming out in the same exact and year. It's almost has the same problem that The Thing did when it came out in 1982 is it's too bleak for what it's coming out around. Right. Especially when you get to the mid to late 80s and we just I just talked about everything's going to comedy and all this stuff. Right. And then you just drop Day of the Dead. It's, <laughs> You're it's, just like fuck. Yeah. It's like, over. It, 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 I mean it does have some comedy in it. It does. It, it has. It but has some, yeah. Very smart. Very smart. Um, speaking of smart things it has the smartest zombie of all time. One of the best zombies ever in film. Yes. Um, because he is I don't want to say he's I guess they imply that he's didn't lose his humanity, but he's regaining his humanity, or they're, he's he's learning. They're trying. <laughs> they're trying. They're in for people that haven't seen this because we've talked about. We have, basically they're in an underground bunker in like fucking Florida, right? But, but they don't even know if anyone in America is fucking left alive. They lost. I think they they have a thing where they talk about. Losing contact with like their last two outposts. Like they were talking to people until maybe like a few months before that. They haven't heard anything. And in the beginning of the film, they're riding around the helicopter to see what they see. Right. right. And it's just fucked. There's zombies everywhere. So they're in this underground fucking military bunker. Uh, what? What are you gonna fucking do? Like you know, they're basically trying to keep right. their sandy, keep it together. So and they're not listening because they're like, there's the military there. There's like five or ten people or whatever, and then there's the couple scientists that they have with right. them. They're not fucking listening to the scientists. Right. They call him Frankenstein or whatever. Yeah, yeah, Doctor Frank. Yeah, they yeah. Call him. yeah, yeah. Um, and he's he's getting a little wacky though, and he's just but he's kind of just like, while I'm down here, what am I gonna do? I'm experiment on zombies and see what right. you know, see what the fuck happens. Um, what else about it? Um, originally, okay, so originally Day of the Dead was supposed to be a much bigger film. Oh, yeah. It was supposed to be huge. Yeah. Like, there was supposed to be a bunch of above-ground, like, zombie fighting scenes where they were, like, the military was going to be, like, driving fucking, like, jeeps and doing all this shit. And, like, it was supposed to be, like, his grand, like, opus. Like, it was supposed to be, like, a fucking two-and-a-half-hour zombie epic, maybe even longer than that. And they were going to agree to do it. Whoever was going to put it out, or one of the people was going to put it out, I think they ended up switching, like, producers or whatever. But they wanted they wanted to be rated R. So he could have the long epicness, but he was going to have to cut a lot of the scenes right, he wanted yeah. out. Well, George A. Romero doesn't want to cut a fucking thing. And so he... Uh, He's not that. He's definitely one of those directors. He's like, he's like, no. He's like, I'd rather lose my entire budget, lose any dollar I made off of this, but the film's gonna look how I fucking want it to look. And couldn't find someone to back. Couldn't find anyone. It was too much money. It was too much whatever. Because I think he was gonna need at the time like ten million some just for the shooting stuff like that. Which nowadays, you know, right. is a lot. I mean, inflation wise. For a horror film, things like that added on to whatever the budget was initially. Yeah, to be super high budget. Yeah. Um, so everyone was, even though it's even though it's George A. Romero and he's fucking done the zombie films, did creep shows, made people a lot of money. They still were having a hard time right. getting it backed. So he ended up doing the film as is, but I th- he released it unrated. It was the yeah. last. It was the last film to have. I think last film to be unrated before Hatchet 2, which we talked about in one of your other, right, yeah. other podcasts. But I think that 
maybe in hindsight that was a good thing mm. because that really gets to the heart of what the film is about. And all of his films have the social commentary, obviously, in the one that you're going to talk about. The mall shoppers are zombies. Jesus, um, way to really fucking... Well, I mean, it's obvious. You're wearing the fucking shirt right now. I know, dude. God damn it! I didn't even mean to do this, and I thought about it <laughs> earlier, but anyways. Yeah, but, I mean, in this one, it gets to the, the real heart of it. The humans are the monsters. Yeah. So, again, any focus that you're going to have on this and that, like, this is very boiled down to what he's trying to say. Um, and yeah, I think it's one of, it's, I think it's the goriest out of all of them. If you were, I mean, it's close. Unless you're going to (laughs) watch, because I'm dying, man, this COVID cough. I'll tell you kids, don't get COVID. If you mask up, wash your hands. Uh, maybe by the time everybody listens, they'll all be vaccinated, herd immunity. But, uh, unless you're going to watch the director's cut of, Dawn of the Dead. We'll just say it. Out. I'll say it out loud. Right. Have uh, you ever watched the director's cut? Because it's a lot longer. I I've seen, I'm not sure. I've seen it's what it, whatever I, Blu-ray version I have is what I've Blu-ray watched. is going to be the is going to be the. You have the Blu-ray of that? I can't remember. It's really I've, fucking hard to find that Blu-ray. That's why I wondered. Um, probably not. Then I probably just have the regular one. But I uh, I've watched all three cuts because you know Argento has a cut. Yeah. So they all are very different. I mean as different as can be. I mean, you know, but basically the director's cut has a ton of more gore in it. Like there'll be like zoomed in sniping headshots and like all this shit. And it's like, it's just basically Romero says like, Oh yeah, I like the theatrical version the best, but there is, but but there is this, there is this, there's all the stuff I shot 25 minute extra shit. That's, uh, I think the director's cuts the best version, not just because the gore, but it just makes it, uh, it, you just feel it feels fleshed out. Everything's fleshed out. Right. There's actually there's actually a scene. The guy who plays uh, Road, like that Rose yeah. he's actually in Dead. Da- oh, Dawn really? Dead. Yeah. Not in the not in the original. Not in the real one. Yeah. But when they're trying to escape uh, from Philly, they go down. You know, they're by the uh, to get the helicopter. And there's those cops. There's a cop that asks for a smoke. Oh, okay. There's a whole scene before that. He's he's another cop. There's a bunch of other cops there. Okay. They're on a boat. They're gonna escape by See, water. I don't know if I've ever seen the director's cut then. Yeah. Unless I just don't remember this. We but. can I feel like probably you would because you'd be like that, oh you know, oh, like, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Like he's there's dude from Day of the Dead. Uh, I think his name's like Joe Joe Am- uh, Amato or something. I don't, I don't know. know. I think he just died last year. A year or two ago. I think he just died. Right? He might have, yeah. He was like in his sixties or something. Yeah. I don't know. He wasn't super old. Yeah. The other guy, the other guy who plays the other main soldier in this died like a month or two ago. Oh, really? You know, the guy with the glass smoked right. the cigar? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he just died like oh, a month shit. ago. So, rest in peace to them. Rest yeah. in peace Legends. to Leonardo Romero, seriously. Yeah. That other guy, I forget his character's name, the scar, <laughs> scar smoking military guy. He's pretty, pretty yeah. good character, too. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah. I don't know what, really what else to say. It's just great. I mean, I love the idea of trying to humanize the zombie. Um, I love the synth music in the film. So the, good. So good. I have the soundtrack, actually. Um, I'm trying to see what else I wrote down for it. I didn't write too much. I love the beginning. I love that they're going out and, like, looking to see if there's any signs of life. Like, they're still trying to... They're trying to still, f- you know, maintain routines, do this. But right. obviously, they're they're slowly losing their fucking minds. Right. Especially the military guys, yeah. you know? There's a lot of women empowerment in this, which, yeah, yeah, when yeah. you compare it to the other films... The female characters don't really have too much to do. No, he gets he gets better as they go on <laughs> with doing that. But uh, but also, I think because the times are changing, he understands. But he's not 
he's not. I don't think he's doing that as a like a right. consolation prize. He's doing it just to be like that's how cinema. I mean, because yeah. obviously you had Alien at this point. You had Halloween. Yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. like, but yeah, there's no Barbaras in this. <laughs> no, 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 no. Mind you, when Night of the Living Dead came out, uh, if you saw your brother being fucking killed by a zombie. Might scar you a little bit at the little time. Bit, yeah. It's a little bit, especially yeah. when you've never seen a zombie before, and you're like, "Right, holy shit!" Uh, but anyways, yeah, that's about all I have to say about that one. Fantastic so. film. Obviously, I told the memory of that I watched it the same day as Returning yeah. to Part Three, so I, right. I have very fond memories of the first time I've seen it. Um, I think I saw Day. I know it was I think I saw Day before I saw Dawn. I think oh, I, saw, really? I think I saw. Uh, night, <laughs> night, day, dawn. Because huh. uh, I ended up, I told the story on one of their podcasts when I got that. I still got to show you that. That, that DVD, yeah. Is, yeah, it's cool. I'll show, I got to show it to you sometime. But uh, yeah, are we moving on? Are we doing this? Yeah, number three. Number cool. three. Here we are. It's getting into the home stretch. Yeah. I know you've seen all three of these, so. I would hope. <laughs> I, he's like, please, dear God. I don't know if you've seen my three, but we'll get to it. But we'll go ahead. We'll get to it. Friday the 13th, part two. Controversial pick, but I'm on board. Just go Uh, ahead. I don't think it's that bad, but... I love part two. And I love part two... I own, like, three copies... I think it's the film I own the most copies of. I think I have three copies of this. Like, two Blu-rays. Two or... I have three Blu-rays of this now. I have, like, a single disc, a original Blu-ray... I have the, when they released that Friday the 13th 8 film collection a few years ago. Right. I have that, and, and then now I have the, the new box sets. I have three copies right. on Blu-ray. Might have a DVD floating around, and I think I have this on VHS. I was going to say, I've noticed this about your list. You're a big fan of the second film in the franchise. And with your top two, they're also the second film in the, because I know what your top two are, uh, but they're well, also the second out, film huh? in the franchise. Well, I don't know the order, but right. they're both, I know um, the two, but... Go ahead. I love this film, not only because obviously it introduces Jason for the first time, but I love Sackhead Jason. I like him because he's still very human. He makes a lot of mistakes in the film. Oh, yeah. It's not a perfect killer, which I like. The thing is, a lot of these films, you see these things, whether, you know, and a lot of times, like, Michael Myers, Freddy, some of them, there's such powerful supernatural entities it like they it looks like they like can't make a mistake or I would say killers. more so with Michael but Freddy once you like hit him once like he's fumbling all over the place yeah 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 and that's same true. same that's same true. with Jason in this film cuz like obviously like once you go on and he's punching people's heads off and shit well, right. like he's indestructible but well, in this one Freddy has a little bit more yeah. power though too like i mean you know he's doing it's different but like this is very much a backwoods deformed man who misses his fucking mother and he's confused and just wants to get people off his property essentially and right. kill him. you know get off my fucking lawn dude but uh this th- is this is another one where similar to like saw 2 when people are talking about Friday the 13th with the exception of the mass thing but like as far as like things that happened and the tropes they're talking about part two. Right. Because in this one, that's where you get the classic scene where they're sitting around the fire. Yeah. That's not in the first one. That's in the second one. Right. But go ahead. 
the second one is just even as a kid it's just so iconic to me I love Sackhead Jason I love I'm gonna jump around a little but I love the final scene like that there's that long chase where he oh, yeah. chases her for like 15 minutes through the entire and he runs fucking, he does run he does I want to clarify he does he run he does run yes he chases her through <laughs> the entire the final girl through the entire like camp basically uh there's the shrine to his mother, which I thought was ingenious. Like I, yeah. I love it. It's a very, it's an awesome set piece. It's done like great that, tribute to yeah. Psycho as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brilliantly, it's one of my favorite kills of all time. I feel bad saying this, but the fucking wheelchair machete to the face oh, kill, yeah. and the and the wheelchair rolls backwards down the stairs as the camera zooms in. I'm sorry, that'll get me laughing any fucking day of the week. Right. It's too fucking good. Um, I like I like that uh, there's the way to survive a Friday the 13th film is just stay at the bar yeah this is the only <laughs> film I think where multiple people live through it like the, the ginger guy in this goes oh, I'm just gonna drink some more beer lives fine survives Jason doesn't come to the bar yeah uh, there's a handful of them like, oh, like the, camp, the people around the campfire when they right. all leave to go to the bar like you know the group separates kind of like 50-50 a few of them just stay at the bar and survive the night. Yeah. So I think it's kind of cool that like there are random characters they build up and they just live. Like it, you know you kind of right. don't know what happens to them, but they're fine. You know right. they, they didn't they didn't get destroyed. Um, uh, especially like that because they focus on that like the the skinny ginger right, guy yeah. quite a bit um, from the beginning of the film. He's in like the first five yeah. minutes. Something about Friday the Thirteenth um, more so the Nightmare or Halloween. It really lives off the sequels because if we can be honest here, first Friday the Thirteenth isn't that great. Um, I mean, it's fine, but I mean, it's not like Halloween, where universally, besides your opinion, the first one is like undisputed the best. Same with Nightmare. With this one, it's always more of a debate, like which one of the Friday the Thirteenth do you like the best? Right. Um, Because the first one, I mean, it's got the good scene at the end, but it's a fucking dream, so it's a slap in the face, and then... I I love the first one. I absolutely love it. Uh, I'm not going to disagree with what you're saying, besides the fact that I fucking love the first one. I actually watched it quite a bit. I actually watched it, I don't know, around Halloween again. Like, I... I, Even though it doesn't have Jason in it, if, if anyone didn't know that by now, it's listening to this... Just like, shut, how are you listening to this podcast? Shut, this, shut the this, fucking podcast off. Like, Just put on the first Friday the Thirteenth, and then put the rest of the podcast back on. But uh, yeah, but I, I love it. I, I I like the kills in it. I like I like. I know we're talking about the sequel, but I love the first Friday the Thirteenth. Do I think it's a perfect film? No, it's a very straightforward, simple film. But, right. But I like. I do like the fact that it plays off that you don't know if it's Jason or not. I think that's cool right. Element, yeah. You know. Um, but part two, and there's there's a fucking hot hair. Oh, here we go on this. There's the girl. There's the, the funny story. There's the girl. There's the one girl with the nice tits that you never see in the full film, and I feel I'm gonna get fucking hung hung alive saying this, but they cast her because they wanted someone to show their tits in the film, and you know the curly haired girl, right? Yeah, and she doesn't wear a bra, and you can see basically whatever. Well. They're about to go do the fucking scene. And she goes, I'm only 17. So she lied to them to get 
she, get the part. Yeah. She didn't know. She, I don't think she knew she'd have short tits. Like they didn't tell her. That was one thing that they kind of like. Eh, you know, probably right. like. Ah, well, when it gets on, we will. So they go. Well, fuck. So the scene where they get impaled, like her and her boyfriend are fucking, and they get impaled by the the right. fucking spear that he fucking finds. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it's because she, you know they had to shoot that way because she couldn't show her tits. Right. And not and this is the only time I ever. I didn't know that until way later. Granted, I saw this when I was a kid, so I was like, ah, you know, whatever. I'm younger than fucking her, or, you know, yeah. whatever. But now as an adult, I feel a little. Uh, sometimes I'm just like, oh man, like I, I don't, I don't, I don't stare at them. I don't, you know, whatever. Uh, but Friday Thirteenth Part Five is the best tits. So the, the the scene, the best best tits. I always talk about tits you. And, oh, and, so here's the thing: the Friday the Thirteenth remake. The guy in that film is 100% pure Miles. Oh, the guy with the nipple placement guy, right? <laughs> yeah. The most iconic, <laughs> iconic line in cinematic history to me. Baby, you got great nipple placement. I even told the story of the other fucking... Cause who hadn't seen it? Was it... It was Maisie or my wife, one of the two. And or both. That fucking... <laughs> that fucking scene, dude. There's also the scene in that where Jason's... Like, the girl's swimming. She swims on the dock. Jason sticks a machete in her head... And then to pull it up, he pulls her up, her head hits the dock, and her tits are just exposed yeah. for, like, a minute, and then pulls the machete out. I'm like, that is some grade-A fucking cinema right there, <laughs> brother. The whole fucking remake is... Have you ever watched the deleted scenes for that? The extended I don't think cuts I, for that? I don't think it's so. It's even fucking better. I'm gonna ha- Now that I shot the missile and I got the box set, I'm going to have to rewatch it. Here's the thing. Last year we did Halloween... We alluded to what we're doing this year, so the following year only makes sense. We we finalized the big three. This is hard because now I talked about my love for this, but I, one thing I would have loved, and this this is another sidebar, but it's horror is interesting. We always said with Halloween, the mask shouldn't matter to Michael Myers, like what he's wearing, and in the first film, Jason's not even in it. Second film, he's wearing the sack. He gets the mask in part three. It would have been a horrible marketing decision because you can't really sell merch like this. But what if every film he's, like, using something else whatever, to cover? Just yeah. Whatever he can find, yeah. There were, fuck, you kind of always have to be masked. But, like, when they do the zombie Jasons as it goes on, he could have had one where it was just him walking around as a fucking zombie. Right. But it became too iconic at that point. That exactly. That's what I'm saying. Sorry, it would have been a horrible marketing decision. But... but it's all about merch, man. You know, they uh, fuck. Look, look at Halloween though. Halloween was supposed to be a different film, as we talked yeah. before. And they're like, no, no, no Michael yeah, Myers. Yeah, like we're, nice we're, try, brother. We're, we're pushing this. Yeah. Um, part two though. Part two just says I, I just love it. I like it because Jason's not a perfect killer yet. I like the cast. I think the cast in this one. Pro- I don't know. I will say, out of all of like the main horror franchises, a lot of the Friday the Thirteenth have like I really like the cast like I like the group of kids I like who, who's like in it like they're funny they seem believable um you know look like they're having a good time and then they're just pulled into this right. fucked up situation like the dude the dude with in the wheelchair in this seems like the sweetest fucking dude like he's just like arm wrestling but he's like he seems like very genuinely sweet person so like with me when he gets fucking like it's funny but I'm just like god damn dude like right and he didn't want to go to the bar because he's in the fucking wheelchair you know he, yeah. he can't do the things the other kids are or, you know that they're doing right or whatever um but 
I actually really like the final girl in this. She's like a, a, a little more tomboyish than a lot of fi- like final girls are in like later films. Like I'm not much like this, but in like other franchises, and she does a really good job of like being scared, but also being very smart. Right. She trips Jason when he's running on heights and trips. She she's trying to find ways to outsmart him as the film goes on. Right. Which I think is great because a, a lot of final girls sometimes. They have that moment of clarity, and they do something, but she's constantly thinking as it goes on to be like, can I stop him here? How can I do this? Can I do this? Like, right. She's really trying to find a way to stop Jason. Yeah. And I haven't seen it in many years, but uh, who knows? We might have to, we might have to pull the Another, trigger on it, that one. It's very... I think it actually is the shortest sequel. I think it's 81 minutes. Oh, really? Yeah. It, it, and the, the thing is, the first three or four minutes are flashback, but it's very quick. And then it cuts to ten minutes of of another scene with Jason. So really, with the camp and everything, it's only about sixty five. They're only out oh, really? camp like sixty five minutes. It blows blows by. It's a quick yeah. while. It's a good while. Like it, it just never lets up. It's done. You're like, God damn, that was quick. Over like in a good way. That like it. it yeah. I don't know. So my number three. <laughs> Here we go. I can't believe we're in the top three. We made it. And I don't know if you've seen this one. I don't know. You could have. It's by far the oldest film on Ooh. either of our lists. Okay. Like, by a wide margin, by decades. Okay. Um, one of the honorable mentions that someone had submitted at the very, very beginning of the show was Bride of Frankenstein. Okay. Said it was a great sequel. Didn't make my list. Okay. Son of Frankenstein, however, did make my list. Uh, this is one that I've watched one time on TCM very late at night and I don't have a strong memory of it so I'll put not in a bad not in a bad no, way, I, it's like one of those things that like you know sometimes you watch shit and you're half asleep and then you just like and again this is another reason why I was like alright we're gonna talk about the big three with Miles so let's showcase some of these other things right um so it's from 1939 It was the first film in the second horror cycle after Universal had stopped making horror films in the 30s. Right, right, So this is when they brought shit back because people were like, all right, we've seen Dracula, we've seen Frankenstein, this shit just fizzled out, like the war's going on or some bullshit, and they're like, this shit isn't scary anymore. Right. They re-released Dracula and Frankenstein in theaters. I remember, yeah. And it fucking blows the roof off the place. Well, the magazine, wasn't some of the monster magazines, too, keeping that shit alive? Like, kids started finding out about them more? Not till the 50s. Okay. That was, like, the other resurgence then, right? Right. That's when, like, Hammer was going on, and then they released everything back in theaters back then. Um, And then they remade Dracula and Frankenstein, like, in America in the 70s. Right, 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 yeah. Um, But, yeah. It was an all-time high of cinema around this year because the same time Wizard of Oz came out, right? Oh, wow. And so scary imagery is... Because, I mean, Wizard of Oz is not a horror film by any stretch of the imagination, but you've got the witch, you've got the monkeys, um, you've got the creepy fucking trees and shit. Right. So people were willing to be scared again because the scary films weren't doing well at the box office. They're like, fuck it. We're going to make another Frankenstein film. They were going to do it in color, because of Wizard of Oz, but they couldn't get Jack Pierce couldn't get the makeup right on yeah. Frankenstein. Yeah, so they're like, "Woof, we're just gonna do this one in black and white again," which they did. Um, it's by far the biggest budget 
and the longest out of the Universal films at that time. Mm-hmm. Like, the original Frankenstein is, like, 62 minutes or something yeah, yeah, crazy. Yeah, yeah. Like, this one's, like, an hour 45, I want to say. Like, closer to that. Um, the budget is reflected, obviously. It has crazy sets in this. And not only were they able to get Boris Karloff back after he had become, like, an established star, they were also get Lugosi in there right, as Igor. Right, right. And Igor, of course, becoming the horror icon that Igor is. Uh, (laughs) um, Yeah, so, yeah, as I said, it loosely follows the continuity of the other films. Obviously, there's no fucking home video in the 30s. Right. So, unless you caught the re-release of these films in theaters, like, the year before, like, you're not gonna know what the fuck's going on. Right, right, So, a lot of it doesn't make a lot of sense. Like, Frankenstein is wearing a completely different outfit. It's not explained at all. There's a lot of shit that doesn't make any sense. Um, Bride of Frankenstein almost made my list. Um, and my opinion of these could flop at any time, but basically the reason that I think this one is a lot better, not only because of Lugosi in one of his best roles, but this also has another great human villain called Dr. Pretorius, who's Mm. completely fucking nuts. Um, um, in Son of Frankenstein, the monsters also, he goes back to not speaking in Bride of Frankenstein, he talks, he's like, that's where you get the bread, good, fire, bad, like, shit yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. In this one, he doesn't talk again. Um, I don't know if they just decided to do that because people won't remember because Lugosi's talking the whole time or what what have you. Um, this is probably Lugosi's best performance. It's better than Dracula, in my opinion, um, because he's given a lot more to do other than right. just, like you said, with Hellbound. Like, Dracula, in, in, he's standing there, he's menacing, but Igor's running around being a fucking crazy person. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's a lot more to do. Um, Boris Karloff, obviously great. Um, and people say, like, the monster isn't hard to play, but, like, I mean, like, you gotta still emote and you shit do. like yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, it's... <laughs> especially emoting through, uh, like, makeup and stuff like that, it's, it's just a different, whole different beast, you know? This also marks his last time playing the monster, um, people think he played it for, like, billions of years. Like, they think Lugosi played Dracula, like, a billion times, but he only played it twice. Right, right. Um, this is the third third and final time he played it, other than, like, TV parodies and stuff, where he'd, like, show up in costume and right. shit like that. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I really don't know what I could really like, say. It's hard, like, like on how with some of the films you hadn't seen on mine, like, I've seen this, but it was one of those things where it was, like, I, I with Universal Monsters, I try to watch as many of them as I can. Like I have some of them, like Wolfman, Frankenstein, like on Blu-ray and stuff like that. Like, I don't have the full pack, but when they release some, like some of the individual ones over the years, right. I've gotten them. Um, I'd like to watch every single one of them. That's been something I've wanted to do for a long time. But it's just one of those things. Like there's so many years of film. There's so much shit out there. There's always new shit coming out. And it's such like a niche thing. Yeah. Like unless you're like a film historian. Or, like, someone is, like, recommending, like, all right, these are, like, the top five, like, you need to watch. It's, like, it's so hard to keep up because, like, there's, like, there's just the main title ones. Like, the Frankenstein, Wolfman sequels, all that shit. There's over 30 of just, like, the main series, you know. Like, that doesn't even get into, like, the obscure shit. So, like, it's just really tough to do. Um, Another thing about this one, the son of Frankenstein himself, I haven't even talked about him yet. Basil Rathbone, great performance. He was Sherlock Holmes for many, many years. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's sort of like a three-way like battle of wits. Like, you've got 
the son of Frankenstein, you've got Igor, and then you have, like, the police chief who has, like, this backstory with Frankenstein, like, pulled off his arm when he was, like, a kid, so he has, like, a wooden arm and shit. Yeah. So, like, basically it's a battle between the three of them. Like, there's very little of the monster in it, but it makes up for it with everything else. Um, And, yeah, I don't know what really else to say about it. Um... I'm gonna have yeah. to rewatch that as well. I'll throw that because yeah. you're you're talking about watch some of the stuff. I'm just more shocked on some of my stuff that you haven't seen it. Where I'm like, I'm like, all right, dude, you got to see some of this now. I mean, right? Because I feel like most of what I picked were like they probably weren't the sequels in some of the series that you thought I was going to pick. But I feel like still like at this point, it's almost like mandatory viewing. Right. I mean, just like I should rewatch. Like I said, there's definitely some of the Universal films I need to rewatch. Or right. watch, especially as a makeup guy. I mean, like Jack Pearson shit. He revolutionized your whole fucking, your whole uh, a, I had a career. Whole, I yeah, had a whole class on it. You know, I had a whole class on his on him. Act. I mean, you know, just a couple classes. Wasn't like a whole semester or anything. But you know, we had a whole history of makeup and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, he couldn't get that makeup right. <laughs> what it wasn't well, in color. It's hard. I I couldn't even imagine trying to like you get used to doing things for for like so long one way. And then, you know, just like people that were silent film actors. Right. They, they, they like, couldn't, they just, it tra- everything transitioned. They couldn't do it. They couldn't hack it, you know? It's yeah. really different. Um, cinema outgrew them, essentially. Yeah. But yeah, it's a great film. Great everything. Brought back, and that's what popularized the horror sequel and the fucking monster matches we get now with the Freddy vs. Jason. Right. Wouldn't right. have happened without Igor versus Frankenstein, so... There we go. That's the fucking... That's where it starts. That's the real words. That's the facts, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, so... You're right. number two. Final two of the, the suspense. Well, I feel like this should have been a given. I mean, you know what they are, but... Do you know what mine would be? I don't. My top actually. two? No, okay. I, like I said, I really have not thought about it. I, I feel like myself, I'm very outspoken on like my favorite films. Like Pretty much people know... I feel like I, one, one of my top two, with my number two, you're going to be like... Oh, like that's like surprising you would have it that high. My number one, you're gonna be like, oh, I can't believe I didn't think Buddy would pick this as his number one. But go ahead okay. with your number two. We're talking about you. I'm talking about myself. No, it's good. We're we're doing this together. You can, that's how I came. Like, what do you think of this? Well, you know, uh, it's also getting late. We've been doing this podcast. We've been for doing a while. this for a while. I hope that people we started this at like eight o'clock. I just want everyone to know it's now eleven thirty. I mean, did, we, we we took take we, a little pause. We, we took a, we had a little bit of uh, you know we. Didn't didn't break kayfabe there, but we did a couple pauses in this. Let's yeah. be honest. Uh, I'm surprised I haven't fucking peed yet. I didn't pee through this whole podcast. Should we take a piss break? No, I'm like, okay. No, I'm actually I'm in the zone right now. All right, go ahead. Uh, I gotta get back to Mocha too. My fucking my boy. Uh, Halloween two is my number two. All right. All did right. you suspect that that was gonna be? I didn't know what the order was. Okay. I knew I know what the top two were. I was like, all right, it's either one of these two, but I didn't know what one would be which. Halloween two, and it's hard because okay, we did we've talked about we this talked about detail. this a lot, yeah. If you haven't if you haven't listened to the Halloween franchise episode, you highly probably, critically acclaimed episode from last year. Yes, should, uh, critically, we almost won some awards, right, or some shit. I don't yeah, know. Uh, I do think that was the best podcast we've done together. We've talked about that privately, but I thought that was a very good podcast. Uh, I just wish I would have rewatched it, any of the films. <laughs> well, I really have seen. Outside of Friday the 13th, I've seen the Halloween films the most. Like, I mean, throughout the years. I mean, right. you know, I've seen them a lot. But 
so when you try to think about an entire series in a couple hours, it gets a little a little fucking yeah. confusing. Uh, but I mean, you just rewatched Nightmare on Elm Street the whole series a little, a little bit ago, and you're like, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna have to, I'm gonna have to read the Wikipedia pages before we record that one, Oops. brother. <laughs> Spoiler: We didn't say what it was, but we, you know, we've we, alluded to it several times. It's fine. Well, Stay tuned, kids, because there will be a, a ranked Nightmare on Elm Street podcast coming this year, which I'm very excited to do. But back to the top two. Halloween 2, in, in my opinion, I've said it before, perfect sequel. Uh, if you watch those back to back, you fucking... If someone just put on a three-hour film and they was like, this is Halloween, didn't even say it was separated, like somehow it was cut together. Right. Would you not know that it was one long film? Hey, give me the three-hour supercut. I'd be all game for it. Yeah, be fantastic. The only thing is the wig is a little noticeable at, yeah. s- at some points, but yeah. other than that, I mean, you could pass it as a three-hour film. Yeah. Um, Ingenious takes place fucking minutes after the first film ends. I think I always thought that that was oh yeah brilliant. Uh, do- takes everything that the original film does and just continues it i know that i'm sure as many people would say the guy who directed this one is it is it rick rick is it rick rosenthal or what? it's something like that. the same guy that did resurrection or something yeah he, you like, didn't know like that i spoiled on the thing i was like yeah. i was like a dude who did yeah that was my big my big uh spoiler thing on that podcast that yeah the guy who did two fucking directed resurrection of all things rick rosenthal yeah. okay my, my brain works sometimes ladies and gentlemen just barely uh Anyways, his direction is pretty fucking good in it, I think. Uh, but he's not John Carpenter, we'll just all be honest. But <laughs> yeah. uh, I actually think John Carpenter, listening to another controversial thing, John Carpenter got to be a better director after Halloween, though. I mean, oh, yeah, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I was gonna say, Halloween I is my favorite film of his, but you can't really say it's his best film. <laughs> The, I get the things, my yeah. favorite of his, but I feel yeah. like that's pretty, that's, that's top five for me, so. Of all time. Right. Uh, but two, I mean, I, and this was another one, I saw Halloween 2 before I saw the first one. Yeah. We talked but, about that on the last one. Yeah. Uh, I said earlier, when I was in school, I kept the Halloween 2 poster. And your Texas and my Chainsaw. Texas, and those were two films that were, like, very vivid to me when I was young. Uh, and Halloween 2, even at a young age, was easy to follow not seeing the first one. Right. Like, they kind of just explain... Like what happened, like mostly just through random like subcontext, like and like clues and things like that, and it was easy to watch as, as, as almost like a standalone film. Yeah, uh, I thought the ending was great. I thought the acting for the most part was great. I thought it was great that he was still chasing Lori. Uh, gets gets to the fucking hospital. Uh, all the hospital scenes are great. Oh yeah. Uh, I don't know. You, you let me know, brother. What do you think? I mean, yeah, everything we said last year. I mean, the hot tub scene is incredible. Um, he uses, like, a syringe on someone. Just, like, everything about it. Like, as you said, like, you could put it right up there with the first one. And while I don't think it's necessary, I mean, you think it's better than the first one. Although I wouldn't put it above it, it's, like, almost nearly right there. Like, even with the tone of it being so much like more modern like slasher film kind of thing and obviously um there's more gore in it the first one had no gore whatsoever um i mean yeah i don't really know i've never seen they made the tv cut like the year i've seen the tv cut 
Um, and they also use scenes of that in some other film or some shit and like flashback or whatever. But yeah, where it shows like the well, it's the TV cut of the first film that uses scenes that they shot from the second film. That's what because it's like the first movie. one when they because in the first version in the TV cut, they explain that they're brother and sister when in the theatrical one that didn't exist at the time. Right, right, right. I thought there was a different cut of. Or maybe there were just deleted scenes of part two where the <laughs> they show the ambulance driver live, right? Or whatever. Something like that. There's something where they, they something would weird. have changed the story. Right. And they either didn't put it in or there was a different cut, like briefly different cut. Yeah, there's something weird. Um, yeah. But I feel like what else is there to be said about it? that I'm, I really do think, though, it is like the perfect horror sequel. The, the way... A template. <laughs> right, on how, how to do a horror sequel. How to do a horror sequel right. Uh, without completely... Doing something different. Yeah. Um, as your your number one does something completely different from the, the first Just one. Keeps alluding, keeps um, so my number two, a little bit of a controversial... I don't want to say controversial pick because I think it's a great film, but um, maybe this high, Miles didn't expect that this would be up this high. And surprisingly, this is the first... Well, I guess not surprising, because found footage films don't really get too many sequels. Um, Paranormal Activity 3. Oh, I love... I almost is my number as, two. as an honorable mention, and I floated around the idea of putting it at number 10, actually, believe yeah. it or not. Because this was the first one I liked. I did not like Paranormal Activity <laughs> 1 when I first watched it. I thought it was boring and overrated. I thought that's probably of all the biggest hype films... I thought well, that the was hype the most... was unbelievable. You had to call your cinema to like request to have yeah. it and shit. Like the hype was unreal. Two, two made one a lot better, but I still was just like, ah, it's okay, it's all right. Then I watched three, and I was like, this was the first one I saw in theaters because like I really liked the trailer. Something about the trailer, like, I was like, oh, this is pretty. This right, pretty, they did pretty, like pretty the cool. Bloody Mary thing in the trailer, which they didn't even really do in the there film. There were two trailers though, right? Were right, second because uh, I remember right. the second one really sold me too. But I was like, all right, I'm going to go see this. And I fucking loved it. I love part three. So I think this is easily the best out of the franchise. Agreed. Um, and I guess similar to you, I have a very vivid memory of seeing it. Um, I had worked at the cinema at the time. It was playing at the mall. Um, and I was like away at college. And I was like still working there on like the weekends every now and then and shit. And I had come back to watch it. And it was after it was already in theaters for like a month. Oh, so wow. it wasn't in any of the big ones. It was in the small, shitty room. Okay. And me and my girlfriend at the time went to see it. We were the only ones in the theater. And since it was the old, shitty one, there were noises. Like the AC unit was like loud as fuck. Oh, and just yeah, watching yeah. that in there and you're the only two pe- fucking people in the whole thing. It was the scariest shit <laughs> I had ever fucking seen in my life. Um, but, <laughs> it was a pretty scary film in parts. But like, just like that weird. whole experience of just like you're isolated and you're in this big space. Like you're not like sitting alone at your house watching it. Like you're in a big open area watching it. Just something about like every noise hits. Just yeah, like yeah, every yeah. like just the whole experience was just like crazy. S- side note to that as we're as we're reminiscing about theaters. 
Do you remember the back theaters at the Saybrook Theater? The ones you have to walk oh, yeah. down though, that, yeah. that big like L-shaped right. curved hallway. Yeah. You get to the couple back theaters. Those were I used because I worked at that theater. I worked at Opposite Theaters right. in town. Uh, cleaning those at like midnight at oh, night yeah. was always like because you're so far back there. Like you could yell because we I think we tried. You could yell in that theater. You couldn't hear. Yeah, it. Oh yeah. You couldn't hear it because there that that hallway like turned and would just suck like sound. Yeah. So I get that. And watching watching like. Those theaters were even smaller than the small one you're talking about. The mall. Oh, yeah. Those were like fucking 35, 40 cents right. maybe. And those were like – you were back there. It was kind of like something to be eerie to be yeah. back there, come out like the last showing or something. Yeah. Anyways, a little – But even of- taking that experience out of it because I've watched it many times since and that one's still the best even taking out that. Like even if you're just fucking – if we popped it on right now, it would be the best one out of the franchise. Oh, yeah. Um, there's just so many things about it that were so inventive. Um Obviously, like in the other ones, they're using cameras. It's like, okay, why are they filming all this? Like all this bullshit. The guy is a wedding cinematographer. He's getting all these VHS cameras. He's like explain because like in the other ones, it doesn't really explain. Like, okay, like are these cameras just recording continuously? But he's like saying, oh yeah, we're in like continue uh, six hour record mode on these VHS. I have to switch it over in this hour. Like he's like right, super right. into it. Um, he puts the camera like on the fan, and that is like genius yeah when it was like on and it's slowly going back and forth and again we talked about this with like annabelle or whatever the anticipation is like all right you know something's gonna happen when that camera fucking pans over you just don't know when it is or you don't know what his it's assistant, gonna be and i really liked his assistant oh yeah oh, yeah. <laughs> oh he's great that guy was great uh arguably of like outside of the blair witch this probably might be the best found footage film i think of all time yeah, I mean, it's definitely up there. I, I mean, uh, it's my favorite found footage film of all time. Uh, but Blair Witch holds a special spot in my heart, though, as it always will. I actually... So I, ha- I haven't seen the last broadcast. That one's been on my list. Oh, yeah, I've heard about that one, too. Yeah, that's the, that was the first found footage thing ever, yeah, I guess. Yeah, 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 I remember reading but, about that. Um, but, yeah, as far as the paranormal films go, like, I think the first one's good. The second one is slightly better, better, but the third one is just, like, on a completely, like, different... I think of the Paranormal Activity films, if you think of it as, like, a pyramid, I guess. Yeah, You're yeah, going yeah. up... Number one's at the bottom. You're headed up there with number two. Three is the peak. You're going down with four and down further and further with the rest. The only ones that I really, really like a lot... Two is... Two's pretty good. The thing is... Two made me appreciate one and how they were telling the story. If two wouldn't have been the way that it was, I would have not liked one even more. <laughs> I really didn't. I, just, I don't know. I just couldn't. I couldn't get with it. Two, two was two made me. They made it seem like they always had one and two planned, though. So I'll give them that. Right. They did a good job with that. Three's three's leaps and bounds better than every film in the series. I mean, it's it's insane. Actually, when I think about that series, how much better it is than everything else. Right. Really like the Mark ones though, but it's very different. Right. Like I, I really like the ones I probably the only ones I would ever go back and rewatch. Three of the Mark ones. Those are the I didn't I didn't think it, it, it sucks because I like so four, good. but I've only seen it the one time in theaters, and it might have just been like the environment I was in. Like I liked four. Um, the main but, girl in four was just so annoying and unlikable to me. I just couldn't. 
I just didn't care about her at all. I right. And it just it was too much. And then I haven't seen Ghost Dimension. I was like, I can't even. I can't, I I can't deal with this. You know Ghost Dimension was only out in limited theaters, right? Do you remember yeah. that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I went to Manor and watched that, like, opening week. Because I was curious. I was like, eh, yeah, fuck it, you know? And, like, and I went, fuck, it's such a weird way to end the series. Almost like even though there was some soft final chapter, Jigsaw came after. But it's like... It's so far removed from what it was, and it it was so bad in parts that I liked it. Right. But, but at the same time, I don't remember much of it. Like, I remember kind of, like, the whole ending, but it's definitely not, like, a satisfying way to end the series to me. Right. You should, I, I guess. I, I mean, I, I may as well just to finish the series. I don't think it's very long. I might think that one might, might be another, like, 80-some minute. They're like, fuck, we got to get this over quick and fast. <laughs> I don't even know why they I don't know I think they were trying to make amends cause I don't think a lot of people really liked 4 yeah I don't know I don't think so because cause 3 was 3 was pretty everyone was pretty yeah everyone board, everyone was on yeah. board with 3 but as you said the 4th one um, not a very likable main character I will agree but this one all the characters are likable so likable um, and I love like the just the banter between um, the guy and his assistant is it's like so because so, like at one point he's like oh did you make a sex tape yeah, <laughs> just yeah, like yeah, shit yeah, like yeah, that yeah, is yeah. so funny um, and in general like a lot of these films focus around adults um, except for four in this one like I just think it's like scarier when it's like happening to kids um, there's some the, the scene where they go and open the door and like the like the witches or whatever just like oh, turn yeah. around slowly <sighs> yeah Fire. oh yeah the whole ending is absurd it's, it's so good um and yeah, it takes place in the '80s. Um, all the other ones are like modern day, basically. Um, so it has that nostalgic element for it, even though I wasn't alive in the '80s. But I mean, I shot a bunch of shit on VHS when I was a kid. Right. So I don't know. It's just there's not too much to say about it. It's just it's just really fucking good. It's really like good. there's nothing really to say. <laughs> I'm you know, it's cool that it's that far up on your list because it's actually it's it's definitely one of the better modern horror films too. Uh, and that's probably one nowadays. The Paranormal Activity hype was so big, and now I feel like I don't hear anyone talk about it right. at all. Like, right. It's like almost like like Did how this was, even happened. <laughs> I was like, even when like it was like it's like Avatar. Like Avatar was the biggest film in the world. No one watches Avatar. Yeah. Now. Let's be honest. I didn't even like Avatar that much when it came out, and I don't know how it made a, a zillion fucking dollars, and it's getting three sequels that. Right. We'll see if they make Insane, money. Insane, yeah. They'll, they'll make money, but I don't think they're going to do what they think they're going to do. Yeah. Um, we're on to number one, huh? We're on to number one. Well, number one's... To Buddy, it's it's pretty obvious. We've hinted at it. He hinted at it. He hinted at my top two like 150 times on this, so I think everyone fucking already knew. But here it is. My number one. My favorite... Tied with my favorite film of all time... This is yeah I I can't pick a number one between these two but for like films ever but Dawn of the Dead is my favorite sequel when I originally put this list I put I said like a few years ago I was gonna do this on Letterbox write a whole big article because I I don't know I just wanted to do it which is kind of how like I was really excited to do this podcast like do the horse sequels because I actually brought this up to you quite a while ago about doing this I was, yeah like I was like I really want to do a horse sequels podcast and I really from like. I don't listen to a ton, a ton of podcasts. I browse through some. I listen to random episodes. But I haven't heard anyone really do, like, have you, like, a long horse sequel? Like, talk about sequels. Not like, really, podcasts. no. So, originally, when I made a list, I don't know where it is. A screenshot it somewhere. 
I think Halloween 2 was my number one. But then I had to take, because it wasn't a numerical sequel, I had to be like, wait, your fucking favorite film ever, or tied favorite film ever, is a sequel. And I was like, Dawn of the Dead, man. That's like, I watched Dawn of the Dead, you know, I don't know how many times now, but a fucking lot. I always come back to it. I've watched all three cuts multiple times. As I said, the director's cut's my favorite. But to me, I didn't see Dawn of the Dead until I was, I think I, I think the first time I saw it, maybe I rented it. I can't, okay, I can't, don't quote me on this, but my biggest memory of Dawn of the Dead was I just moved out from Ohio to Maryland. I was 19, just turned, I, then I just turned 20. Oh, you watched it late. I don't know if I, I think I saw it before this. I think I did, but I can't remember. So this is my first memory, memory of it. You have to realize Dawn of the Dead was the one that was never on TV. Right, yeah. Ever, growing up. And it's one of the ones that's, it's out of print on Blu-ray in America. It's out of print on DVD in America. It's actually a pretty hard film to find. Hmm. Um, and that's why, like, I have friends ordering, like, my one buddy just ordered the, the new European set because the fucking Ultra Blu-ray, or the 4K Blu-ray, 4K Blu-rays are region-free. Do you know that? No. But regu- I didn't know that. But regular Blu-rays aren't region-free. Right. So Obviously, all, yeah. All, all Blu-rays, if they're 4K... Anywhere. Any re- any, oh, sweet. Any, so it's cool. Yeah. But the thing is, fuck you, Sony, if you're hearing this. I'll probably get murdered tomorrow for saying this. <laughs> PS4. I have a PS4 Pro. I know you have the, you know you got the big boy, the PS4. Or PS5. The, P- the PS4. PS4 or 5. Uh, which I'll get eventually, but I'm not really in a hurry. Um, thankfully, Resident Evil 8 is coming out soon, and it's going to be on PS4. So that's why I'm not in a hurry. Way to date the podcast, bro. <laughs> We already did it at the beginning. It's fine. Uh, we already broke kayfabe way too many times in this. Um, I lost my mind on this. Oh, For the 4K Blu-ray. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. So it's because I was going to order it. I can't play it in my player because I because they don't the 4K streams in 4K or plays games 4K. Right, but, but it's not. Play, you can't yeah. play that. So fuck me so I can't get that new set I'm, I'm still waiting for them to come out I don't understand why there's not a set out in America it's actually mind boggling there hasn't been a, there hasn't been a Dawn of the Dead release in America on video in 12 years that's crazy 12 or 13 years something like 2008 2009 was they released the Blu-ray. Jesus Christ might, might have been even earlier than that and it's only a theatrical cut with almost no special features and it's been sold out Pretty much, I mean, you, yeah, you want to, I don't even know how much it is to look up. I've never looked it up, but I know it's sold out everywhere. I haven't seen, I have the Ultimate Edition DVD, and that's been sold out for like a fucking decade, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen that. It's my favorite release, my favorite thing. It's a big black box, folds open completely. There's manuals in it. There's. You'll have to show me when you show discs. me the other it's, one. It's fucking sick. So. I don't know if I saw Dawn of the Dead before. Yeah, this. Blu-rays are going for like seventy bucks on eBay. There's one for like one twenty. Yeah, they're not they're not easy to get. No. So I don't know. I'm this might have been. I might not see it until I was twenty because people don't realize Dawn, for some reason Dawn of the Dead was the hardest one to fucking find, the hardest one to watch. It was not on TV. The video stores around us didn't have it. Trust me, I <laughs> trust us. Yeah. Uh, the Ultimate Edition came out and I moved out 
And my parents said, well, we want to send you something for Christmas. I wasn't going to come home for Christmas. First Christmas, not home. So I asked for two things. I asked for the Encyclopedia of Star Wars, which is fucking <laughs> crazy. Three, three, three encyclopedias. Still have it. And then Dawn of the Dead Ultimate Edition. I get a package right before Christmas Day. I wait to open it. I'm living in in a, a room, just a room, a room as big as a living room. That's it. Right. I just got mocha, <laughs> like three days before Christmas, and then actually my girlfriend at the time was a flight attendant. That's why I was in Maryland. She had to fly on Christmas, had to work, so I'm spending Christmas completely alone. I've there. I lived in a house for like three months before I moved to a different place with like a bunch of people that worked at the airport. It was a really weird experience, but it was my first experience on my own. You know. Right. And. I'm going to spend Christmas alone. I'm eating fucking fish sticks on, on fucking Christmas. Legend. And Hey, that's what Italians eat. They eat the, the fish on Christmas right. Eve, so you're all set. So my TV, I'm sitting on my bed in this room. The bed's on the floor. The TV is faced how we were, how we are right now in front of me, but it's on the ground too. This was a big, this was back in the day, kids. It was a big tube TV. This was, you Oh, know, hell yeah. So very everyone's probably like, what the fuck is a tube tv anyone who's not our age or or older you know or they're not in a retro maybe their kids are in a retro shit because retro is the fucking word now i sound like i'm 100 years old but sit down throw it in my fucking ps2 that i was using as a dvd player obviously at the time as well right yeah so sit down mocha's asleep in stinky pink which People don't know what that is in that. Mocha has a you, girlfriend that's a Hello Kitty You've blanket. had it for that long? Mocha used to lay inside Stinky Pink when he was a puppy, and then one day just start fucking it. It's always <laughs> been it's always been with him. It's always... The first day he was home, the first thing I put him in, I took my beanie off when we got him from the pet, because he was so thinking I put him in my beanie, because it was like December 22nd, I'm pretty sure it was a day. Put him in the beanie, his head just sticks out of the beanie, I hold him and I carry him home. I'm going to fucking cry listening to this shit, bro. And, and I put him, I just, I lay his little ass body in this fucking pink blanket. And he would not leave my side. I was working for the newspaper at night at the time. He would not leave my side. The only way you could get that dog to leave is if you got, if you put him and completely wrapped his entire body in stinky pink. And then he would eventually fall asleep, but he had to be right by you. Right. And he would, if you got up to pee, he'd be out looking at you like, where are you going? What are you right. Doing? Like... God, the first year with Mocha was fucking hilarious. <laughs> but it was good. It was very good memories. Very cute. He was such a insanely cute dog. Like, so funny. So lovable. But, and we spent almost that first year, like, constantly together, you know? Right. Um, he's laying down, finally sleeping, throwing Dawn of the Dead. I'm just, like, watching it. You know, I'm done eating. I'm obviously not eating the whole two hours. I eat my fucking fish sticks. <laughs> but it was probably one of the most memorable Christmases I've ever had because the simplicity of all of it. And I didn't, I've always done well being alone because I spent a lot of time alone in my life with certain things. And I was very much like at peace, like with the decision that I made to move and everything that I did. And then I've been wanting, it might've been the first time I saw Don. I don't, I don't remember, but I remember wanting to either see it or wanting to really spend time and watch the film so much because at this point I was obsessed with Night of the Living Dead 
and I just wanted to see Dawn. I know that even before, even if this wasn't the first time I saw it, like, I remember that feeling for years because there was a huge gap where I, I couldn't find Dawn. I've been right. looking for it or trying to find, searching through TV guides. I used to read TV guides. I mean, I was yeah. really trying to watch Dawn of the Dead, you know? Right. And I watched it, and every second of the, I was just like, every time I watch it still, I'm glued to the fucking TV. I think the setup's perfect. I think it takes the bigger, better, faster, just everything right. through the roof compared to Night of the Living Dead. It's such a different film, Night of the Living Dead. Love all the characters. They all service like their roles perfectly, I think. Some hilarious one-liners in it. Oh, yeah. A ton of political and good commentary. Making fun of all those PA hillbillies. Uh, little did I know, a couple years later, I'd be living near right like, you yeah. know i'd be like kind of living where they shot these films um story's great the zombies it's one of the only times in film where the zombies like they do zombies like these weird gray blue gray zombies right with the and the blood because it was still that it was late 70s they had that crazy blood so against the blue gray and stuff it looked oh, wild yeah. like it yeah you know looked fucking crazy tons of like at the time, seventy eight, a lot of the like the half face gore and like some of the throat slits and some of the stuff that really ha- hadn't barely been done at all yet. Right. Like really hadn't. So like I mean, granted now I I had years of seeing other films and all that stuff, but like I think back, I'm like, God, how insane would that have been to see that film? Right. You know, and that was released unrated. That was one of the biggest unrated releases because. Romero, I actually watched Document of the Dead, which is the documentary about, to prep for this, this actually. Oh, really? I watched it during when I had COVID, when I was at my sickest of COVID. I'm sitting there just so just shaking, and I'm just watching Document of the Dead. I'm like, God, I can't believe I watched this yet. And have you ever watched a documentary? I haven't, no. Fantastic documentary. Um, it's really cool, because it actually goes through Romero for like 15 years of his life. Like, you see the guy who starts a documentary on Dawn, flash forward they're together doing oh, really? day. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. Like it's actually like, it's, it's insane. Yeah. Like uh and they talk Romero talks about the different eras of his filmmaking, how hard it becomes to make certain films and do like it's I think it's one of the best filmmaking diaries I've ever seen. Yeah. It's great. Um Barbara from Night of the Living Dead narrates the whole thing. Oh yeah, really? Yeah it's, yeah, it's 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 dude, you got to see it. It's really really good. Yeah, I'll have to check it out. Um from a filmmaking standpoint cuz they'll go through and explain what each person is doing. Like, this is the makeup department doing this. The producer's job is this. It actually like, breaks down like what everyone does and what they're doing on Dawn of the Dead. Right. And then it also goes by in the marketing, how hard it was from the market, how hard it was. They talk about the copyright issues. With oh, the yeah, night. of course. So it's really I can't, I couldn't believe how I, like, I was glued. Just like I was on Dawn. I was glued. Like, watch, even I'm dying. You know, I'm shaking and sweating but um something about dawn just every single thing resonated with me like the setups you know we talked about film sets the the setups for scenes a lot of the setups like they really show things are going to happen later oh yeah um the characters are fucking smart they find a way to lock down this mall and do get everything they need for survival you know i mean probably some of the smartest characters definitely ever in a fucking zombie oh, film, yeah. I think. Besides, the character's very smart in Day of the Dead, but at this point, humanity's 
gone, man. I mean, they're, they're right, and also at the, right. also at that point, they're used to the zombie stuff. I mean, even in Dawn of the Dead, I mean, it's still relatively new. Like, you get the sense in Day of the Dead, it's been like this forever. Yeah. Like... For the last, what, six to eight years or yeah. something. I mean, yeah, they're like, they're in it. They've been doing the same right. shit, you know. But Dawn, when Dawn takes off, I'm pretty sure they say, like, they're not sure if the zombie outbreak's everywhere yet, but it's on the East Coast, you right. know. Because they're trying to look for a way to escape. Like, right. maybe they can get west, maybe they can get south, maybe they can get, you know. They're they're tr- they're, they're trying to find a way to either hide until it blows over Right. Or get to a place that maybe there's no infection yet, you know? Right. And I'll... Okay, so I guess I'll say what I'll say about Dawn of the Dead. Um, Although Night of the Living Dead started it all, um, this is really where the zombie was perfected. And this is really... Because even like the Night of the Living Dead zombies, yeah, that's the zombies we know today, but it's also kind of not. Because they don't really act the way that they're going to act in Dawn of the Dead. Because, like, Dawn of the Dead, I guess the the clearest example of this, and this is one of the greatest zombies of all time, is the one where he's alive earlier in the film, he gets gets turned into a zombie holding a gun. Yeah. And when he's a zombie, he doesn't have control over what his hand is doing. So he's walking around, and the gun is just dangling dead in his hand. Flyboy. Yeah. Flyboy, one of the main characters, yeah. Right. So, like, that's really... Because, like, the other one, in Night of the Living Dead, they act like monsters. Yeah. In this one, they really act like the zombies we know today as a zombie. Right. Um, except, I mean, obviously, you have Return of the Living Dead, where it's a lot different. But, um, obviously, another advantage, the color in this. Um, there's a clip. Uh, one of my buddies put this on Twitter the other day. He's, and his quote was why Dawn of the Dead is better than Night of the Living Dead. And it's a clip of Stone Cold Steve Austin in an interview explaining what color means in wrestling. Mm. And as Stone Cold, he just says, color means blood. Yeah. <laughs> and it's simple, yeah. simple as that. Um, yeah, I it, mean, I don't know what else to say about it that you haven't said it, about it. I mean, I don't have a grand story about it. It's, it's a great I film. Uh, it To me, it feels like one of the, especially at the time... I guess. Well, at the time, but also in the time even when I saw it, it still feels like one of the most grand horror films. Oh, yeah. It's very grand. They, they're they in the TV station. They're in this. You really, especially for, I feel like at the time that they shot it, and even in the 80s, I feel like they didn't give horror films uh, not necessarily enough of a budget, but they were using budget for like Nightmare on Elm Street, like a fantasy piece or all this. But like, this film is long for a horror film. Oh, yeah. And it goes a lot of places. Like, it feels like a worldwide, or the start of an actual zombie apocalypse. It's, even though they're in the, they're in the mall for 50% of the film, a little more than that, there's, it still goes there's a journey places, to yeah. get there. And there's yeah. a little bit of a journey at the end. It feels very grand. It feels larger than life. At the time, and even now, probably some of the most zombies on screen at some points at one oh, yeah. point they were talking about in documentary they talk about yeah they're making up a hundred zombies at a time or they're doing you know i mean yeah. and they'll they'll zoom back and you'll see zombies yeah. and zombies and like the beautiful scene with them in the helicopter and you know they're doing the drive by the mall and the zombies all oh, in yeah. the parking lot <laughs> yep. and all that and like that scene is just like so epic you know it's been used dead rising the video game 
uses that same exact yeah. scene. Like, it's actually become, like, iconic, you know? Yeah. I feel like everything about this, like, even down to using the mall as the hideout. Like, you mm-hmm. see that in all kinds of shit now. And, like, this even popularized the thing that's like, yeah, the mall is a great place to hide, so why do you think you're the only group that's going to try to use it? And right, then, like, the bikers right. show up. And, right. like, just everything about it. Like, I put Day on my list because I knew we were going to talk about Dawn on yours. But for me, like, I think that... Again, I think all three of them are phenomenal and stand on their own. Yep. And you can talk about all three um, forever. I think all three films are in my top 25. Like, I think they've all made, like, they're, yeah. like, they're all, like, I, I don't know. Everyone, sh- everyone should watch, like, the original Dead trilogy right. because even if, I feel like they're, like, zombie films for people that might not even like zombie films. Right. If that makes sense. Yeah. And then I'm sure they talk about this in your documentary, too, but just, like, the hassle would have been to shoot all that shit and like, cause like the mall was still open. Like Romero, they, they just had to clean everything goes, up at 6am. Yeah. Goes, goes into detail. They would, they were allowed to shoot from 10 PM at night to yeah, somewhere in the early morning. But then you got to think you got to clean up all the blood, clean it. But the, but the makeup too, to find time to get the people in to do all the makeup right and then shoot so they go into the order of how they shot it and why they did certain things and Romero talks to some scenes yeah some night we only have four people on set like four actors right next there might be 50 or things like that like but he was very if I remember right very meticulous about shooting and I'm pretty sure that they had to take I think a month and a half break because Christmas there was some yeah Mm-hmm. They they couldn't they couldn't they weren't allowed to take down any of the Christmas decorations. So when when Romero was off for that, he edited all the stuff he shot, <laughs> and basically was already putting the film together. Right. I mean, you got so the like, opportunity yeah, to do it. So yeah. he had a very clear vision when he came back for the second half of shooting of where he wanted to go. Yeah. But I think we said all that needed to be said. Of I, I could go on and on about Dawn of the Dead, but. If anyone ever hears this that's uh has something to do with the rights for Dawn of the Dead, put it please out. Please give us a new Blu-ray release. It's all I want in my life. I'll never get rid of that Ultimate Edition DVD set. It's it's a it's a beautiful anchor bay did a phenomenal job with that. Seriously rather fist fight someone in the street till I die than lose that. Uh <laughs> please no one come after me and do that, because I just don't really want to do that. But I I want my Dawn of the Dead Ultimate Edition. Like if I was gonna pack a bag, like my whole place is gonna burn to the ground bag of personal belongings. I throw some clothes in it. I throw Dawn of the Dead Ultimate Edition, that Night of the Living Dead DVD <laughs> yeah, I talk course. about, and maybe a couple CDs. I don't know, maybe even not, because digital music's so big nowadays, but I'm a big music guy. I wouldn't be able to save my vinyl collection, so what's the point? Right, there's like, too I much. Just yeah. too much. But, I don't know. There it is. So what do you what do you got? The big so for big my, closer. I don't think it's a big shocker because I, I think it's going to be shocker. Like oh, I can't believe I didn't think of this for Buddy, but um, I don't have a grand story about it like you do. There's there's no dogs on Christmas Day and all that shit. It was just me, freshman year of college, in Ricky's dorm room. Mm. He's like, Buddy, I don't know how you haven't seen Evil Dead Two yet. Fuck, I I had a, <laughs> I had a sneaking suspicion this was going to be it, but I was like. And, like, I don't even know what to say about it. Like, we've been going for, like, three, four hours now. But does... 
everything the original does just better. Um, I know you disagree. And, and everyone knows this is the this is why I didn't put it on my list too because it's a phenomenal sequel. But Miles loves the first one. I love the first one so much more. I don't know. It's just one of those things. Like for me, I think it's just about when things resonate, like in a yeah. certain time or whatever. Yeah, but um, this one is obviously the budget is tripled. Yeah, at least. Um, it actually begins with a pseudo-remake of the first one. The first, like, ten minutes or a remake right, of the first right. film. This is the film where Ash really becomes Ash. Like, how right. zombies really become zombies in Dawn of the Dead. In the first Evil Dead, Ash is just another guy. Yeah. In this one, this is where he becomes the one-liner spitting. Yeah. Um, they still had gore in the first one, but this one takes it to another crazy level at the end. Um... I like again, like I don't really know what to say about it other than it's my favorite horror sequel. Like um It's a it's a wild ass film. It's a great film. The effects obviously I've talked about effects a lot in this, but I love like a lot of the films, like for me, this list is like basically all seventies and eighties films. Some early nineties films. Right. But most of them were good stories. But a ton of good visuals and a ton of good special effects. Yeah, and that's what drew like a lot of stuff drew me in. But also great sequels. But anyways, continue right. about Evil Dead too. I don't know what else. I mean, the first one has the great stop motion stuff. Right. Um, this one is more of just the big like creature effects. Like there's something like a full size sort of thing. Like it's not like the claymation and <laughs> shit. But um, I don't know. Just everything about it's good. The characters are great. Hilarious as the rednecks in the woods. Um, of Ash, of course, is phenomenal. The groovy, um, the the hand. Um, I like. I really don't even know what to say about it that I the, haven't said before. But the way that you put how much why you love Evil Dead Two, I can understand that because it is where it becomes the iconic Ash. So I get that. I get why anyone, and also why Jared, I know, obviously loves it a lot more too. Like I get why you guys love it more. But for me, it's just a big Evil Dead 1 fan. I think also, I saw Evil Dead 1 somehow fairly early on. And then I don't think I saw Evil Dead. I'm, like you said, you were, what, 1920? Right. I don't know if I saw Evil Dead 2 until I was probably like 21. Oh, really? Um, I don't know. I just, I knew I was going to get to it. It's like, you have films, you're like, I'm going to get to this. And you do. Uh, You guys have to think, even when we were, 2021 there was no Netflix streaming yet right it was discs or it was the video store so you were at the mercy sometimes of right what was there I might have even watched Evil Dead 2 when I lived in Maryland because I at that point that year that I lived in Maryland I was watching two to three films every day seven days a week yeah I had they still had Hollywood video within 10 minutes of where I lived. A blockbuster. Blockbuster and Hollywood video were five minutes apart. Oh, that's great. So I could just... <laughs> and they both had huge horror sections where I was. This was also... The town I was in also had an insane amount of red boxes. I was working late at night, middle of the night for the newspaper. So what I would do is, when they would have new releases on Tuesdays... Redbox at 12.01 would release whatever the film is. Oh, really? So I would get on my way to work. At one, I'd have passed two different Redboxes on the way to on the way to work. At 1.30 in the morning or whatever, zoom in, 
get three, two or three red box, whatever the newest releases were. If it was horror, whatever, a lot of it was horror that I would get. Watch them, return them all the next night. So I was, yeah, like I, Tuesdays were my red box days. Wednesdays I'd be hitting Blockbuster. Sometimes I'd go, I'd go to three because there's another video store too. I did three video stores in an hour. Jesus Christ. The, the good <laughs> living live the dream, yeah. But but that was also too towards the end of the video store days. Yeah. Cuz like within the next year, like this was 2008 2009, around 2010, besides like family video, a lot of them started tanking. Right. Cuz when I got to PA in 2000 end of 2010, fall 2010, that was when they remember they tried to do Blockbuster Plus and it was yeah, the discs. Sounds... It was like the kiosks. Do you yeah. remember that? Oh yeah. So Pittsburgh actually had a lot of those. So I remember renting from them. But that was the year that 2010, 2011, they started shutting a bunch of blockbusters Right. And I guess, like, with the advent of, like, being able to stream and seeing stuff in, like, high def. Because, like, I hadn't seen the original Dead, the original Evil Dead recently until I watched it on a big TV like this. And, like, I didn't realize that, like, in the original film they had just, like, the moon superimposed. Yeah. Because, like, I had always watched it on, like, VHS or whatever, like, when I was younger. Um but I guess definitely, like, with the advent of that, like, I can see modern audiences getting into Evil Dead 2 a lot more than Evil Dead 1. Yeah. Um, because in Evil Dead 2, it's a horror comedy. Like, you're supposed to be laughing at a lot of this stuff. But I have a feeling, like, in Evil Dead 1, like, if you were to sit a bunch of people down, they might be laughing for not the right reasons. Right. So, but, and I'm, this might be a controversial thing to say, but I think Army of Darkness kind of sucks. <laughs> but to be that's honest, just me. To be honest... I'm not a huge fan of Army of Darkness either. I have it. I, I, I know when I watch Army of Darkness for the first time. Army of Darkness, I watched in college a couple times. I had a, I lived with a girl and our, our upstairs roommate. They were obsessed with Army of Darkness. And I was like, uh, like they liked it more than the Evil Deads. And I was like, oof. <laughs> you know, I'm like, oh. I think that's Ricky's favorite out of all of them. Is it? I think so. And I remember watching it. I think I'd watched it once before that, but then I had to watch, like, we had a couple sculpting parties, we watched it a couple other times, and I was just like, it's just too tonal, tonally different for me, where I just, it's fun, but part of me just, I'm just not into it. I don't know what it is. Right. I, I don't know, I just, I'm not, I need, but I bought it, I've actually, I went out of my way, I don't know, X amount of years ago, and got all three of them on Blu-ray. Right. And I, but I've been wanting to sit down for a while and just do like a straight, like maybe not all on the same day, maybe a weekend, watch all three and then really think about like where my rankings are or whatever. But to me, I've still seen Evil Dead one the most. And like, I know I'm still going to like it the most just because how I am. But, uh, I'd also like to go through and watch some of the special features and stuff. Cause I got, I got the Army of Darkness release that was like the Screwball edition, which actually had like new, the alternate ending that I'd never seen. Right, not the Hail the King baby one, but the other one. Yeah, where he likes. Yeah, it uh, it came out later because they had alternate footage. Have you ever seen it? I don't know. I haven't ending. seen it. I've only seen the one where he is back in the in the store or whatever. Okay. Yeah. Well, again, I haven't I haven't watched all that alternate footage yet, but I but I plan on going through and like doing all that, but. I think that's a great. I mean, I I I had a, I didn't know if it was going to be your number one. I had a feeling it was going to be on your list, and then as we started talking, I didn't think about it again. To be right. honest, um, it's a great. It's it's a really yeah. fucking good sequel. It's just it's one of the few that 
I just love the first one so much yeah. more. I don't know. I get um, it. You love Halloween. People love Halloween right. 1 a fuck ton more, you know? And I love right, Halloween 2. Yeah. So, I mean, it is what it is. Know, to me, it's just the perfect Cabin in the Woods movie. I would love to go to a double feature at the drive-in if they play both back-to-back. Didn't I hope. they... I'm sure they have a hundred times, but I've just never been there. Not last year? Not last. Not at ours. They did Evil Dead 1 with something. It was like Evil Dead 1 and like Nightmare on Elm Street or something. Okay. But, um, yeah, if they ever did them back-to-back, I'd be there. Either in Pennsylvania or Michigan, somebody I knew on Instagram, they, last Halloween they did, or October, somewhere, somewhat close, did both of them back-to-back. Yeah. Because I forget who, someone I knew went to it, but... Obviously, it's still a little bit of a drive. You want to drive five hours to go to the drive-in. And, and then drive. be there till four in the morning, yeah. Seriously. Jesus Christ. Well, speaking of that, Speaking buddy. of that, I think it's about time we wrap this up. And, uh, yeah, that's about it. Let us know what your favorite horror sequels are. Um, thanks for coming on the show and shooting yeah. the shit with me for the past four hours. <laughs> yeah, this has been the longest podcast I've ever done. I think same. So, uh, But we knew. I didn't think it was going to be this long, but... And I still feel like some of them we we were like short, briefly like, touched yeah. on them like uh, could have been almost a, a two two banger, but I don't know. People get bored. They don't, you know, if they've seen them, they don't want to hear uh, everything. But a lot of these, I have those key stories, those key moments watching yeah. them, you know, and they're uh, that's good shit. And as long as it's entertaining, I think this is a good podcast. I think this is right up there with last year's. So it, it um, helps. It helps when I'm sober and it's not midnight and we're starting a podcast normally this so. is when we're starting it's and, 12 and, 20 right now and right now my old my my 32 year old back is just like screaming because we're we're sitting up on a couch into the mic for this mind you there's a nice backing about two feet away but uh too far away from I'm, the mic I'm, I'm, yeah it's too far from the mic i got yelled at one podcast for sitting back and doing it so i'm not doing it this this was the important podcast i felt like that i really wanted to do so yeah but shout out to the the future nightmare on elm street ranking one that we're gonna do very excited about that uh because some of them it's been a while and i'm curious to see you know, as the years go on, you rewatch these series, and sometimes you find, like you said, you thought two was going to be trash, and you're like, oh, this is actually really good. Yeah. Um, curious to see how I feel about five, and I'm curious to see how I see about the fine or Freddy's Dead, because Freddy's Dead has parts, if I remember right, that I like a lot more than I'd like to admit, and I think I might like Freddy's Dead better than Part Five. I don't want to give anything away, but I was very impressed with Freddy's Dead. <laughs> I, that's what. That's what I. But I won't say which ones it was better than others. But I, I was blown away how much better it was than I thought it was. I Same have, with Part Two. But I have a Freddy's Dead poster actually. It used to hang up in my old house. I got it because I never. I don't know if this was the because it's like a. Uh, subway type post, you know, little the prints they put on right. yeah, yeah. to sell the films. But I never seen this this version of the poster before. And it was it has a new line, everything on it. It has a born on date, which is the day that Nightmare on Elm Street One came out. And then in the middle it has Freddy's hat and then underneath it says so dead, dead and it's the date of right when that came out. And it's a very simple poster but I fucking loved it for some reason. Right. And I just liked that it was the like the days of when they were going to be in theaters. So, I don't know. Because you always see that, the Freddy's Dead with a big claw. It's like, you know what I'm talking about. The right. Main. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, I remember when I saw it, I was like, I kind of want that for some reason. I don't know. Right. 
Um, before we head out of here, um, give us a quick um, your ten real fast. Real quick. Yeah, I, I was gonna say just so anyone who has been like, well, what the hell did they talk about an hour ago, or like, you I, know? Was, I was actually gonna ask you to do that. I was gonna do that when we got off the podcast. But uh, my top ten, Demons Two. We'll start ten. Obviously, ten. Right. You know, Demons Two, Exorcist Part Three, The Fly Part Two. Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 2, Return of the Living Dead Part 3, Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2, Hellraiser 2 Hellbound, Friday the 13th Part 2, Halloween 2, and Dawn of the Dead. And I'm going to say, if I look through these right now, my handwritten list looks like it's from the fucking 90s or 80s. If there's one that I want people to say that's probably the most underrated on this... I really think Return of the Living Dead Part 3 is someone that is just a phenomenal film. And it's way, it's it's almost become like, I feel like a hidden gem. Or like, I don't, I see a lot of people used to praise it. But if you're like an up and coming horror fan. Right. It's a very different zombie film. And check it the fuck out. Right. So mine, for number 10, we got Psycho 2. Nine, we have Dracula Has Risen from the Grave. Number eight, Annabelle Creation. Seven, Hellbound, Hellraiser 2. Number six is Saw 2. Five is Cult of Chucky. Four, Day of the Dead. Three, Son of Frankenstein. Two, Paranormal Activity 3. And then number one, Evil Dead 2. I, I love how varied your list is, though. I will say that. It's a very... Hey, it's varied by design, man. Because I, I could have just threw a new nightmare on there. I, I got <laughs> I got too fucking excited, man. Like me, like I was like, da, 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 da. you know, like I was just like, oh, I love all these films. And then he gets to the bottom and I'm just kind of like, you know. See, I put some thought into my list, but I also didn't want to overthink it. Mine was so, all heart. Like mine was like right. as soon as I said, I was just like. <laughs> right. So kind of different ways to do our list. I like that your list had a little bit of everything. And stuff I really didn't expect. Yeah, I don't think... I don't know. You probably expected most of this, but you haven't seen a lot of this either. I expected at least half of yours. I figured. I'm pretty yeah. vocal about a few films. Right. I love the handwritten list. Classic Miles. No technology involved. <laughs> didn't know how to work his phone when he was trying to look up uh, the facts about the films. It's fine. No, my fucking letterbox was fucked up, cat. For some reason, when I typed in Dracula. Like, I was typing in the Dracula stuff. Or even I typed in Dracula Hammer Films, Letterbox, it didn't bring anything up. Huh. So I was like, that's why I was like, what? Because you can type in Saw. And everything will pop everything up right away, yeah. You can type in Exorcist and anything like that. Like, even if it's, you know, whatever. But, anyways. Anyways, we've, we gotta... We've, we've talked quite a bit. Right, yeah. Um, and the cats are going ape shit right now, and... He's got to get home to his beloved dog, Mocha. <laughs> He's got to work tomorrow. He's got to go to work tomorrow. I got tomorrow off, but <laughs> oh, it's fine. Um, but yeah, thanks everyone for sticking out with us through this show that might be a two-parter. I don't know. We'll see. We might have to, I might have to break it up. But Last note. What, what would film, since I did that, what film would you recommend the most that you think is underrated or that you think that someone should watch? Um, on mine... I'd probably, because a lot of mine are stuff most people have seen besides Son of Frankenstein and the old Dracula one, so I'm not going to recommend those. You know what I'll say? I'll say, I'll say if you haven't seen Psycho 2, 
if you were putting off Psycho 2 because you're like, all right, this there's no way this could possibly be remotely watchable. I would say, you know what? If you're in the mood for something different, give it a shot. Hey, I like so, that recommendation. All right, so, Midnight Miles. It's it's now after midnight. It's after midnight. So I need to go the fuck to bed. All right, and we will see you guys in another episode. Take care, everyone. Thanks for having me on again. That's about it for this time, guys. I hope you enjoyed the two-part season finale of Buddy's House of Horror podcast. Again, let me know what you guys want to hear in season four, which is coming this October. And yeah, of course, if you've listened this far and you aren't subscribed yet over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you're listening to this on, make sure you subscribe. Share the show with your friends. Give it a thumbs up. Leave a rating and a review. Whatever you guys can do to help out the show, it really means a lot to me. And yeah, I will see you guys back for more House of Horror content coming this October. October. But in the meantime, guys, have a great summer, and as always, stay spooky.